Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Crack Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin. You know, a little bit of a different look today because much like Max's backhand return under real service pressure, Max's laptop kind of fell short. Uh, it's on the fritz. It's not exactly working. He doesn't think he's going to be able to record. So he's going to be sitting this one out today. Joining me as the co-host of this episode, a man who is certainly qualified. He is a former Denison men's tennis superstar, a do-everything for our Cracked Rackets team, and the third member of the the Great Shot Podcast, Holy Trinity. It is everyone's favorite, James Foster McDonald. Jamie, hey, great shot. Hey, Gruskin, how's it going? It's uh, it's it's an uncomfortable way to get a promotion, but, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> How about that? Do you feel like Jack Sock playing with Mike Bryan, where it's not exactly what you expect, but still, it's he certainly has earned the role. Exactly. I'm getting a steal out of the deal, and I'm going to ride it all the way to the end. So <laughs> I think it's fitting that you're the Jack Sock of this trio. Yeah, it makes, it, a lot it of makes sense. more sense in, in some ways, and hopefully in some <laughs> ways it doesn't make sense, but... <laughs> Both of you have backhands that I would never want as my yeah, own. You're not but... wrong there. <laughs> Moving on into a little housekeeping before we get into today's episode. As always, if you want to keep up with the tennis world, the 2018 season may be coming to an end, but there are still plenty of stories to talk about, and we are talking about all of them at our website, CrackedRackets.com. Go check that out. You'll get Alex Gornett with his weekly drop shots, Ryan Cardiff talking about the college tennis world, the Futures and Challengers tours as well. Matt Stokowiak has started his college contender series, breaking down the top 10 men's NCAA teams for the 2018-2019 season. Uh, I believe this week, uh, I'll be upset that I don't know who it is. I'm sorry, Matt, but I'm still stuck on his piece on Florida and his case for why they're the dark horse. And I happen to agree with him. Also, you know, Anna Bright, Parson Amati, Beautres, Kale Hammond, James Sophia. So much going on there, so be sure, again, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Gruskin, it's Follow Illinois, us. by the way, if you, if uh, you needed to know. Illinois this week? Uh, you know, I should have guessed that the Champagne Challenger, it's only fitting that another stroke of genius from Westoff with his planning um again go follow our social media twitter instagram facebook youtube i don't think we're at that thousand facebook mark yet because dalton keeps talking about it so please please go follow us on facebook for the love of god Uh, yeah if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast as well as our other podcast the correct interviews podcast a ton of great guests on there rothman recently interviewed ray sarbiento i got to recently interview another usc guy yannick honifman there's mark lucero tons of college coaches next gen americans i believe we have the oklahoma tennis coaches coming up this week so be sure to listen to those you know like review subscribe we want to know what you guys think of our episodes we want to know if there are any topics we're not talking about that you would like to hear and you know we will be certain to explore those as we go into this year's off season the other thing we have to do jamie before we get into the episode we are about one maybe now less than one month away from our very first cracked rackets challenger wildcard tournament in indianapolis jamie you excited stoked yeah we're one month out what is, what is today is today the 14th if so we're a month out we are indeed a month out so I'm super stoked for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's really cool that, you know, obviously we have all the rights to that, um, you know, Indianapolis tournament, but it's sweet to be a part of the whole series itself. You know, I'm a little biased being a Kansas City man. One of the locations is in Kansas City at the club that I grew up at. So I'm super excited about that. But um, yeah, December 14th to 16th come Indianapolis time. 
uh, things are going to be kicking with Cracked Rackets. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. We should give a shout-out to Sam Duvall of the Top Notch Management Team and everyone there, as well as our very own Daniel Westoff, who has made the plunge into the tennis world, leaving his real-world job oh, yeah. doing stuff like this full-time. Westoff, give yourself an applause there, please. Uh, well-earned. I'm excited sure. you know, to participate in that tournament. Like you said, we, we're hoping to have a ton of college players, some pr- professionals as well have already you know, locked in. It's going to be a high level of tennis, certainly a different event than what you know the average fan is accustomed to, which is why we're so excited for this. We want high-level players who may not have another opportunity to get into a challenger-level event. Come play this event. We th- if you think you are capable of that and you just don't have the ATP ranking points, you haven't been in a position to travel, but you have that level, this is the event for you. So you know, be sure to sign up, and we look forward to seeing everyone there. As an added bonus, you guys should know, you'll get the full Cracked Rackets treatment. We'll be interviewing all of these players, giving you guys a chance to tell your stories. We're so excited, as Jamie mentioned. So keep that on your calendar. I believe it's December 14th to the 16th. It's right before Christmas break it's the last tennis event of your year before you can go into your christmas and new year's hibernation so please check that out if you want to learn more again go to our website crackedrackets.com but okay jamie enough with that there is still tennis to talk about and that is why i brought you here today you know the these first two weeks of november not necessarily known for the most bustling uh times in tennis in terms of event totals but these are some of the most interesting events of the year in the ATP World Tour Finals and the Next Gen Finals, which are going to be the two events we're going to be talking about today. Uh, let's start with the ATP World Tour Finals. We are recording this on Wednesday, November 14th, and I should say happy birthday to my former roommate Jack Stover. It's his birthday today, uh, so shout out to him. But Jamie, in terms of these World Tour Finals, we're two days in. Uh, you know, obviously, people if they didn't before, they know it was the top eight players on the year who accumulated the most points got into this event. Unfortunately, Rafa and Juan Martín del Potro had to withdraw with injury, and that's where I want to start because to me, I haven't been that thrilled with any of the play so far. What about you? Yeah, it's uh, well to start on. You know, at least Nadal and del Potro. I mean. It- not unexpected that they pulled out. I mean, we saw this coming. Um, one thing I, I did really want to see Nadal play this event though. Um, because just historically, you know, this hasn't been his, his best place. Um, and I wanted to see if he could, you know, break through. We knew he had those injuries. We knew he was coming back from him, from them. And, uh, I was hoping he would come back on a, you know, on a big stage like this and be able to, you know, end the season on a good note. Unfortunately, we didn't get any of that. Um, but gave the opportunity for someone like Isner to hop in there and have, uh, have a good shot. But you're right. I mean, the tennis, there have been good matches, but you know, overall, not what you'd expect from the top of the world. Here's where I want to start. Just a fun fact for you. The 2018 field has an average age of 30.06 years old, which is the second highest ever after the 2015 field. And this is the first time there are more players in the draw over the age of 30. There are five of them than under the age of 30. The the reason I want to make that point, these guys just look gassed. They just look like there is not much left in the tank. And it's funny because even it's even more so the teams of the world, the Zverevs of the world. And they're, you know, two of the younger, if not the two youngest guys in this draw. They, they're just cooked. Yeah. Well, and it's not surprising. We've talked about this with team for many episodes. But, I mean, the guy just plays so many matches. So many matches. And he swings so hard every ball. I mean, it's just no wonder he's gassed. He has to be. How could you not be? 
Um, and so, I mean, I think we really saw that in his match against Federer. And, you know, Federer did look clean and he played well, but, you know, team was not there and he was just, he was out on the court, but he wasn't there. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're right. It shows. I mean, it's, it's not unexpected. We're at the end of the season. Zverev, to me, he's also made some comments about this after his matches. Mentally, I think he's just worn out, too. Uh, and getting back to that point, and this is the last time I'll bring it up, but in terms of the most matches played of the guys in this event, both Zverev and team lead the field. 72 matches played going into this. That's not including the Laver Cup, which, you know, that's obviously an experience mm-hmm. Zverev had, uh, I, I think, as well as team. Team played Laver Cup this year. I'm not crazy, right? He was there. Mm, no, I think he played Austria when that was going on. Or didn't he play Vienna? Yeah, maybe, I think he played yeah, Vienna maybe when he that played was going last year. I could he played last year. year. I, I, it's all starting to blend at this point in the year. My point is, both of these guys gassed. And they both had successful seasons. Zero, 54 and 18, three titles this year. City Open, Madrid Masters, and in Munich. You know, he's beaten guys such as Team, Schwartzman, Kyrgios, Chorich, Chung, Shapovalov, Chilich, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Dimonauer, all the guys you'd want to beat. Uh, no, he didn't have the big Grand Slam breakthrough, but he did make a quarterfinal in France. You look at Team... Another successful season, 53-19, and 19, three titles, Buenos Aires, Lyon, and St. Petersburg. He's beaten Nadal, Zverev, Anderson, Chorich, Medvedev, Dimonauer. Again, all the guys you wanted to beat. And he also ended his year sh- strongly. He made the Paris semifinals, lost to just an incredibly hot Kiachnov. Uh He made the Vienna, Vienna quarterfinals where he lost to Nishikori. Struggled in Shanghai, but he won the week before that in St. Petersburg. So we'll say they kind of offset... Um, I don't know. I I do want to ask, do you think these guys, given how young they are, given how they want to accumulate points, for them the most important thing is getting matches under their belt, getting that experience so that when they're 24, 25, 26, they're peaking in terms of their match toughness because they've been through it all. Do you think these guys made the right decision to play this uh, this much during the 2018 season? Well, I think you look at it both ways. I mean, first of all, you think, well, hey, maybe if they didn't play some of those events, you know, maybe not in the case for Zverev since he's, you know, so high up there. But for team, you know, if he doesn't play all those events, maybe he doesn't have enough points to come into this and have a chance at the year in finals. So you look at it that way and you think, well, yeah, that's probably the right call then because, you know, look where you are. You're with the top of the world and you're in this competition. And that's a good thing for him. Zverev, maybe not. And Zverev, I don't know. He's he's going to have to bounce back for this. We'll, we'll see him at the start of 2019 how he looks because he just doesn't look in it. That second set against Djokovic today, he just he looked like he didn't want to be anywhere near a tennis court. I completely agree with you there. Um, you know, we can get into the matches a little bit. So far, again, there have been two days of play. Uh, in case you don't know the groups, we have group Guga Querton. I like the names for that, by the way. It's Guga Querton and Leighton Hewitt. You know, for us, given that we were born in the 90s, we didn't get to see much of those guys, but we know them tangentially. And so it's nice to see the players like that already being honored. Um, in group Guga, you know, that is a little tangent for you, Jamie, but in group Guga, we've got Novak Djokovic, obviously the favorite in this event. We've got Alex Zverev, we've got Marin Cilic, and we've got John Isner. Uh, to me, and I'll read I'll read the other group first, actually. For group Leighton Hewitt, we've got Roger Federer, Kevin Anderson, Dominic Thiem, and Kei Nishikori. To me, Jamie, there's no question group, group Guga Querton is the tougher grind for any of those players. 
Oof. Well, I agree with you in the sense that they all have to go through a grueling match with Djokovic. You're not beating Djokovic, so that's, that's what I just mean. That's, right off the bat, none of those guys are doing. Well, yeah, well, I guess we'll guess we'll find out come the uh, third match, huh? <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's but not I mean, exactly I think I think that's what makes it the toughest is because you're playing an informed Djokovic on hard court, and so you're. I mean, they're all dreading that match. There's no doubt they're not. So that does make that group very tough in terms of just balance of good players and the skill I, Hewitt Hewitt's a tough group as well but like you said none of them have an absolute gauntlet like Djokovic at the top so not as tough I'd say well look if we had our shit together we would have recorded this before the event started obviously since there has been play we know that uh, in for group Guga day one Djokovic beat Isner four and three Zverev beat Chilich six and six day two Djokovic beat Zverev four and one uh, Chilich beat Isner 6-7, 6-3, You know, that Chilich-Isner match has been the only match so far that has gone three sets. Um, in terms of why I think that group is more difficult, just any time you have to play Isner indoor hard courts, it's going to be a grind to break him. I saw him play Zverev at Laver Cup, and, I mean, that match went to a third set. You know you're going to play at least one tiebreaker. You know, if John serves well, you just might not be able to beat him that day. And so right away, it, that's just a tough match. The Chilich-Zverev match to me was the most fascinating round-robin uh, combination of any of these matchups just because I wanted to see how much gas did Zverev have left in the tank. And yeah, he got blown out by Djokovic. He just didn't have it in his legs. But in that Chilich match... I don't think it's 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 a false comparison to say Zverev is just Chilich 2.0. He's just a little bit more physically gifted, a little bit uh, more compact strokes, much more aesthetically pleasing, both with the strokes and obviously the physical appearance. Um, I, it was just Zverev was that much better, and it, it was encouraging to see. Well, Chilich couldn't hit him off the yeah, court. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, it was a tight match, you know, 6-6. Six and six. Um, But you're right. I mean, similar play styles in a lot of way. Zverev's just better. Chilich has a very solid backhand. He can do a lot with it. Zverev's has that and a little more. You know, Zverev's a little more mobile, I think, when I'm watching him. It's just a little more explosive. And I think the biggest thing, and we can get in this, into this more when we talk about Chilich, but recently the mental game for Chilich has not been good. Now, Zverev's has not been great either, but... He's, what, 21? So you got to think that with some growth there, Zverev will become an even better better Chilich. Um, but, yeah, you're right. That's that's a pretty spot-on comparison, I'd say. And if we're thinking better Chilich, that is quite the upside. Marin Chilich is a Grand Slam champion, and I, I don't want to get— we'll have plenty of time to delve into this take in the offseason, but one of these days someone new is going to break through. It's just got to happen yeah. by the percent odds, by just the fact that Djokovic can't win forever. Federer and Nadal, they can't win forever. Mother Nature is un—sorry, not Mother Nature. Father Time is undefeated. I think so is Mother Nature, but Mother Nature for another time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my my point is, in 2019, if someone's going to break through. It's got to be Alex Zverev. It just has to be. Please, for all that is good in the tennis world, make it be Alex Zverev. Because the nonsense that would come if it's someone else, ugh, I I just wouldn't be able to handle it. Well, I don't think it necessarily is. I I can see a very real possibility of a not-in-form or injured Nadal and an on-fire team at the French. 
I can I can see that happening for sure, especially since you know the French. It's not at the end of the season, so maybe team won't be as gassed. I can see that as the breakthrough. I mean, we've seen some incredible matches from him already this year. Um, I don't know. And Zverev, we haven't been able to see. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the majors have not been nice to him, so it is what it is. Maybe he'll break through. Maybe he won't. But I think team at the French is a pretty reasonable reasonable place to look for another breakthrough on the same level. Can I ask, it's a bit of a tangent, but do you consider team part of the next-gen crew? And we've talked about this a little bit, but when you talk about breakthroughs, if team wins the French Open, I mean, given that he's won, he's never won a Grand Slam, it's a breakthrough. But I've seen him make the finals. I've seen him dominate you know, the clay circuit now two years, maybe even three years consecutively. It wouldn't be the same degree of breakthrough to me as as if it were one of those next-gen guys, the Chorches, the Zverevs. And so I don't know if I can quite put him in that next-gen group. Do you put him in there? No, he's not in the next-gen group. I mean, simply based on when his sort of rise to that level happened. And, I mean, he was around even when he was their age. But, you know, when he got to the serious contender point, he was already a couple years older, um, which is which is fine. Um, but, I mean, you would expect for someone who exploded up the rankings and has now been at the top – for a while now, like Sverev, you would expect him to, you know, get to the point where he can perform better in those majors. So maybe 2019 will be the year. Yeah, fair enough. But all right, let, let's get back to this year's ATP finals because, you know, there's still, again, a little bit of tennis left. Uh, we mentioned what the group Google results. Let's get into group Hewitt a little bit. Probably the most shocking result of this tournament thus far. It was the first match of the first day. Kane Ishikori takes out Roger Federer, 7-6-6-3. Fun fact, this is only the fourth time Federer has lost his opening match at a World Tour final. He lost in 7 to Fernando Gonzo Gonzalez. He lost in 8 to Jill Simone, and he lost in 2013 to Novak Djokovic. Jimmy, you're the biggest Nishikori fan I know. How, you know... How scintillating was this match? You got you to stop give me saying a little that. Di- you got to stop Give me a little that. Dickie V scintillating sensation, West. Oh, yes. Hello. Bingo bongo. Um, <laughs> God, that guy needs to get out of tennis. He just, he just keeps saying things about tennis, and it bothers me. But anyway. Um, that's a tangent for yeah, – that's an off-season tangent. I could, I could tangent. spend like right- seven hours talking about how trash that I'm is. I'm writing that one down in the notes. Fair enough. No, you, you always give me this like Nisha Corey fan. I'm really like – I mean, yeah, I don't have anything against the guy, but I'm definitely not a huge, like, fan of him, Dude, and that's not anything negative. You love Uniqlo. You love it. Yeah. You're all about it. That's what him. I wear all the time. No, and I mean, I, I this all started because I said I respected his comeback because I thought it was <laughs> valiant, and now it's turned into this, like, ridiculous fan club, but regardless. Um, no, I mean, this match was really interesting, and, you know, anyone who watched it will tell you just tactically, he knew he had to switch some things up and just catch Federer off guard, and that's exactly what he did. Um, and, you know, luckily at this, they're not playing best of five. Um, he stuck out that first one in a tie break and then, you know, rode the momentum and caught a second set. Um, and he was playing some pretty aggressive tennis and he was taking things inside the baseline. And, you know, he wasn't giving Federer time to push him around. And, I mean, it was good to see. Yeah, and you, we don't have to do a deep dive into this match, but you talk about Nishikori taking the aggressive uh, stance throughout the match. Wins 78% of his first serve points, 63% of his second serve points. He knew he had to attack that first ball, and 
to his credit, he just had one of those days when he was on, and there's only one break in this match. That obviously comes in the second set. Nishikori plays a good first set breaker, wins it 7-4. That's an efficient match. That's how you do it in a two out of three set match. Federer has shown there are cracks now, and that's not to say he's not the greatest of all time. We don't have to get into that debate right now, but it's just objectively he is not prime Roger Federer and so if you can get him stretched get him moving he can't play defense like he once did and Nishikori executed to the level of someone who has made a major semifinal this year a major quarterfinal in Wimbledon uh, he, he showed the level of a top 10 what I'm trying to say is even though there were two injuries Kane Nishikori deserves to be here this year yeah no and I think that's fair um, and this match shows, I mean, granted, it is a matchup thing, and that's fine. You know, he's not going to go out there. Maybe he should if he's playing that well against, you know, someone like Djokovic. But, um, you know, when he plays, it'll be interesting to see if Nishikori can sort of ever get over that hump of beating Djokovic more than just once in a blue moon sort of deal. Because Djokovic is one of those people who is basically just Nishikori but better. <laughs> so, I mean, that's I disagree. That's very different. What are you talking about, dude? Nishikori is more Ferrer than Djokovic. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that either. But. Aggressive baseliner on top of the baseline, you know, very quick, uh, very strong. I mean, ladder, yeah, you not can the best move. Yeah, forward. I mean, you're right. Djokovic you can draw conclusions, just, but I mean, I'm just saying generally how they use their ground strokes, how they I'm love just saying, to the pull Djokovic the ball off the thing line is, with the backhand. Okay, there's a lot okay. of similarities. Anyway, my point okay. is Nishikori came out and played out on fire, and I love that. And yes, it did show that Federer is not unbeatable. What I would like to see, I was really hoping we would see Nishikori, you know, use this. And, you know, I knew where this was going. I wanted to see him use this momentum and be like, yeah, you know what? I can play like this. No matter who's on the other side of the net, I can hit the ball like this. We can go out there and we can do this. And then tell, tell us what happened. <laughs> well, so here's the point I want to make about Roger Federer. Regardless if he's the greatest tennis player of all time or not, his single greatest trait is even after you know, the Herculean effort it requires mentally to be on the court with him, to compete with him, to to even beat him, what that feels like, the Federer hangover is real. We saw Millman just lose to Djokovic handily at the U.S. Open, in my opinion. We see every time Federer gets beaten, that guy it seems to just fall short. Nishikori against Kevin Anderson in his next match loses 0-1. It is the third time in ATP Finals history a match has ended 0-1. The other times, Federer-Murray in 2014 and Dibs-Ramirez in 1978. Jamie, your boy got crushed. First of all, not my boy. Uh, <laughs> second of all, no, I know. I had this one on. And uh, this was insane. I saw, I didn't turn on right at the beginning, and I looked up, and it was like 4-0 in the first. I was like, holy crap, okay, Anderson's on fire, sure. Then it's 6-0, and I was like, wow, that's a terrible set. All right, let's see what happens next. And it's 6-0-5-0, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what is happening right now? Like, was it 6-0-5-0? Did he, was it 6-0-5-0, 6-0-4? Yeah, I think it was 6-0-5-0, no. and then Nishikori held once to get to 5-1. 6-0-5-0, Nishikori yeah. held. Yeah, that's what I thought. No, it was 6-0-5-0, and I'm like, okay. And then Nishikori holds. There was a little bit of hope there for a second. He, like, had a fist pump. He looked into it, and then over. <laughs> game over. I was like, well, okay. 6-0, 6-1, no, close enough. When Nishikori won the final game, he, like, he, you could see the camera pan to him. He gave a huge sigh of relief, and he was just giggling a little bit. And you know you're defeated at that point. Yeah. Nishikori's like, all right, I'm on the board. Yeah, whatever. exactly. And 
And I want to use this to segue into our day three matchups because only Novak Djokovic has clinched his spot so far in the semifinals. Oh, maybe Kevin Anderson has as well. Um, although I believe, no, no, I don't think that's true though because if Federer beats Anderson and Nishikori beats Team, then things get interesting. Yeah, then it starts going down the tiebreaker. Is that right though? Because yeah. no, that is oh, right. Cause, yeah, because Team didn't win a set off of yeah. Yeah, and Nishikori and Federer with straight sets as well. So things can get very interesting. Uh, let's talk about this this side first. Again, we have Roger Federer versus Kevin Anderson. Just so you listeners know, career head-to-head, Federer leads 4-1, though the last time they played, how could we forget, Kevin Anderson beat Federer 2-6, 6-7, 7-5, 6-4, 13-11 at the 2018 Wimbledon quarterfinals. Jamie... Anderson's, you know, the hot name right now. He took care of business against team. He wipes Nishikori off the court. Slight favorite in my mind in this match. Oof. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's weird saying that. When Indoor he's playing hard. Against, I know. Indoor hard court. But, I mean, you also would say that against, about yeah. Federer because that's, I mean, that's, that's a true. great surface for him. But, no, I mean, the way, if Anderson plays the way, and granted, that was not a great Nishikori. You know, we talk about the Federer hangover, whatever it was. Um, not a great niche story, but Kevin Anderson was also on fire. I mean, that's true. he served incredibly well. I mean, and that, that's a great thing about watching Anderson now, too, is he's really propelled this game up, and, and so it's not just big serve or whatever. I mean, he can hang in, in ground stroke rise, especially with a Federer who isn't as incredibly dominant from the, from the ground as we used to see him. You know, in his prime, he could do anything from the baseline. Now he's not quite there in terms of defense. Anderson's got a good shot here, especially if he's serving well. Well, we will get into this in our changeover chat, but for the most improved players of 2018, he would never win the award because other guys took bigger jumps, but Kevin Anderson's got to be in the discussion. I mean, you look, he was phenomenal this year. He's 46 and 17, won titles in New York and Vienna. He's beaten Federer, Chung, Kachnov, Dimitrov, Shardish, Abavalov, Tsitsipas, Nishikori, Chorich. I mean, he's been so many good guys. You look at his last three results. Paris round of 16, he lost to Nishikori. Obviously, he made up for that one here. He won the Vienna title, and then he lost in the Shanghai quarterfinals to Djokovic. Comparing that with Federer, I mean, obviously, Federer, his usual brand of excellence, puts up a standard 46-8 and eight at age, what is he now, 37, 38? 30, just ridiculous. 50. Yeah, for he's the Tom Brady. Uh, it, it, they're just we'll see who retires first. They're they're uh, battling with one another. Although I've heard some rumors. Again, though that's an off season topic. We'll we'll save that for another time. But Federer, forty six and eight, four titles on the year. Uh, he's beaten everyone. His eight losses come to Kokonakis, Del Potro, Chorich twice, Anderson, Djokovic t- twice in Milman. His last three results lost in Paris semifinals to Djokovic in, well, I think it was 5 7, 7 6, 7 6, something close like that. He won the Basel title and then he lost in the Shanghai semifinals to Chorich. I mean, both guys are in good form. I just. Indoor hard, I watched Anderson beat Djokovic, and yeah, that was an abbreviated third set at Laver Cup, but Anderson is playing so well, so confident. You know, the other the other option here is, I would say, the ATP Tour goes to Anderson and says, hey, you got to throw this one because, and you know, we need Roger Federer in the semifinals for business reasons. But the counter to that would be Anderson's like, no, man, if I lose, I might not make the semifinals. So I don't think anything nefarious is at play. Mm. 
first prediction of the day. Give me Anderson in three sets. Jamie, what says you? Oh, that's that's hot. It's hot. I'd say it is. Oh boy, yeah. I'd say it's either. I'd say. Oh God, man! Now you got me thinking. Here's the thing: Federer's under the gun. This is as much pressure as Roger Federer can feel at this point in his career. He's got to win this match to make the semifinals. Now that I put it in that perspective, are you really going to bet against Roger Federer, no matter what his age is, when he's under the gun? The, 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 the counter is he serves, he attacks, he makes uh, Anderson, who's six foot eight, play on his back foot the entire time. We'll see. I oh, mean, I could, that, I could but see... But the Anderson ground strokes... I know, that's what I'm saying. If Federer... Here's oh. my thing, though. Like, when Federer made his big comeback, so... And when he came out and he won 2017 Australian Open, you know, I, I have never seen him. And now it's a little different because he's on, you know, we're consistently seeing him at that high level and I get that. But when he first came back, I swear I had never seen him just attack and hit the of the ball that much and just look that on fire. I've, and he was 35 or what, 36, whatever. I mean, I have never seen him do that. And even in the prime of his career, it was just wild to me, and I saw this, and I was like, okay, so if he comes out there, t- I mean, and I hope he does this. I hope he does this tomorrow when he goes out there on court, and I can see him just getting a very routine four and three win here, a break in each, if he's just on top and gives Anderson no room to breathe. However, if this match starts getting a little more interesting, I can definitely see Anderson sneaking this out, you know, especially if he goes to a tie break. I mean, huge chance for Anderson to take a tie break in this scenario. So it's just, it's a tricky matchup, but I mean, I think if Federer is just relentless with the pressure on him i think he'll come out uh i've been betting against federer all year and i feel like i've been wrong all year here's the thing i hope federer wins so that when they look at the tiebreakers they go okay you lost to kevin owen one like we we just can't let you yeah that's fair and and like that to me is fair so you know what for those reasons i'm changing my pick give me federer uh, real quick look, Team Nishikori, their career head-to-head. Nishikori leads 3-1 all-time in their last matchup. It was recently in Vienna where Nishikori took out Team 3-1. and I mean, to me, if you're looking for a safe bet, if you're a betting man like our very own Kale Hammond, who, again, you should check out his work, CrackedRackets.com. He's giving you the best bets to make for these last year-end tournaments. I think the safe money is betting on Nishikori to take home this match. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just weird because look at what we've seen from their last two matches compared to their first two. I don't it's just it's bizarre. I mean, it's like you see Nishikori at that high level and then just gets absolutely smacked. But then you also see Team. I mean, Team had a good he had a good first match, honestly. Like that was a good first match. But then we saw him. Draw, I mean, not to say Federer didn't play well, but he dropped a lot in level. So it's like. Two people are two guys are pretty tired here, and I think they're both sort of done with the 2018 season. See, that's where I'm. I'm sorry to jump in. I disagree with you because for Nishikori, he knows the pressure's on. I can keep my season going. I came on this great comeback. I lost to Denis Novikov first round in a challenger months ago. Now, if I beat Dominic Team. I have a chance to make the semifinals. And because I lost 0-1, I know I, I have to put up forward an effort to win in straight That's sets. true. I now forgot. If I, that is now true. If I'm, I forgot Nishikori has a chance still. I forgot because yeah. he won the first match. And if your team, you're 0-2, you played yeah. 74 matches, you're like, I'm done. That's true. I'd, I'd see that. Yeah, Kiki, I forgot he Kiki, did Kiki, you're playing match. this one for yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Hand, hand the racket like, over I, Kiki. No. I'd, I'd much rather watch her. I think, yeah, that you're, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think what's weird to me is like, 
I, I only got that sense from Ishikori just based on how deflated he looked at the end of Kevin Anderson match. Now, hopefully he bounces back from that and does lo- want that momentum and want that mindset like you were just talking about because that makes a lot of sense. But based on what I saw at the end of that Anderson match, I mean, he just he looked done, honestly. But hopefully he's not and hopefully he comes out there and, you know, swings away for the end of his 2018. So. I completely agree with you. Well, then let's get into our other group. We have Djokovic taking on Chilich. A little fact for you guys. Djokovic, 16-2 and all-time against Chilich. They last played at the Paris Indoors just, I think, a week ago in the quarterfinals. And Djokovic took them out 4-6, 6-2, 6-3. They also played this year in Cincinnati, a match Djokovic won 6-4, 3-6, 6-3. And in London, which is right when Novak was making his early recovery, Chilich won that match 5-7, 7-6. So they've played close matches throughout the year. I watched that Cincinnati match. I was I remember where I was when I was watching, and I mean Chilich had it. He was right there, and Chilich he seems to bring his best against these top guys. He's one of those few players who can match their level simply because he can just hit players off the court when he's playing well. You know, he's still alive for Djokovic. He's already clinched his spot in the semifinal. I think Chilich knows Zverev is wary. Ah, at the same time, I'm not betting against Novak Djokovic. He's obviously the guy you got to take here. What's that, you, James? Yeah. I'm much more confident about the Nishikori pick, but you got to probably say Djokovic. You got to say Djokovic. I mean, there's there's a chance Chilich comes out just on fire, but here's the thing with Chilich. And no, there's not. He's a loser. Well, no, that's not true. Cut that, West. Or leave it in, but I don't mean it. Well, that's nice of you. Um, no, <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, yeah, we've seen Chilich do this with just the raw firepower he has. The problem is, A, Djokovic is looking incredible right now. And B, Chilich has not shown that he can get across the finish line very easily. And if there's one person who is already the arguably the toughest person to get across that finish line for it's Djokovic he does not give you anything especially in those tough moments and so Chilich I can very easily see a scenario where even if Chilich does come out playing very well gets up a break I could see him giving it up and giving away the set because that's just kind of what's been happening and and that's that's not just to dig on Chilich but I mean it's it's something mentally he's got to figure out because today he did end up coming you know coming out and beating getting the win against Isner but here's the thing a Beaten Isner's not beating Djokovic. B, Isner gave up three breaks in a row for Chilich to win this match. Yeah, and so it's just, it's just a completely different story. But the bottom line is Chilich needs to be able to figure out a way to, even when he is playing his top-tier tennis, to finish the job. Because as of late, the last couple of months especially, we've seen him sort of taper off in that end. But I can Give go me your on. pick, real quick. Oh, Chilich, Djokovic. Djokovic, straight sets? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, then let's move on to the last match. Maybe, I mean, I admit I have Federer fatigue, so this is a biased answer. But to me, the most intriguing match of the day three matches, Zverev-Isner, because for Zverev, it's it's mixed, you know, motives, right? One, he is gassed. It's clear. He was just excited. He's talked about being injured. He's talked about the long season. That being said, he is on the precipice of the semifinals. And he's playing a guy in John Isner where... The plan is clear. Hold serve. Hold serve. Stay in the match. Execute your game plan. And 
for him to make that semifinal would be the type of reassurance you would want at the end of the year, going into the 2019 season, going into that Australian Open push. You're like, all right, I am right there. I see what these guys have at the end of the year. I see what it takes to match that. So there is that. And now he's got Lendl in the camp. So there's that extra motivation. At the same time, if I have dead legs, the last guy on earth I would want to play is John Isner. Are you it's kidding me? Like, Why? Every point is like a second. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, it's just so boring. Are you kidding it's me? Like, you know, uh, Djokovic or Nadal would be yeah, the worst by far. What are you I talking mean, about? You're right. You're right. But at the same time, I would love that. I'd be like, this is fucking awesome. I'm playing Djokovic. Come on. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. No, I mean, this, I, this, this match, I don't know, this match poses a lot of different things for me because you look at it and Zverev, honestly, not a good look the way he came off the court today. He came off looking like a baby, honestly. And it's, I know he's not as mature as some of these other guys, but I mean, he's top of the world. He is, he is in that camp now firmly and he has been for a while. And yet when he went out there today, it basically looked like he gave up. And yet Djokovic was, you know, relentless and I get that. But it just didn't look like the competition between the one and the three out there, you know. Um, and so that's a little disappointing. So like you said, this is an excellent chance to rebound against this. He has – he's got a – he's got a big wingspan. He can get on a lot of these serves even when they're bombing in from Isner. This is a big chance for him. And you're right. He can still get into that semi. Like he better bring it tomorrow. I don't know. Or is, it, is it in two days? Is it in two days? Uh, I think it's the one tomorrow, but uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. But career uh, – no, you're right. Two days. Uh, career head-to-head, Zverev leads Isner 4-1. He beat him at the Madrid Masters earlier this year, 4-5. He also lost Isner in three sets at Miami. I believe he also beat Isner at Laver Cup, so he did get his revenge. I mean, the, the recipe when you're playing against John Isner is clear. We've talked about the motives. We've talked about what's on the line for each of these guys. We should say for Isner, incredible year for him. 2018 is clearly the best season of his career, and it's funny given how poorly it started to see the way it's ended it's a testament to his hard work so congratulations to him for sure but who's your pick here well i mean to me it's still mental if if, if, here's my thing if zverev gives up an early break it's isner all the way um if zverev is in this even to a tie break even if he loses that first set tie break i think he's still in this and i think he can take it in three Uh, i mean in terms of the favorite, Zverev's the favorite right now. But it, I'm riding with a fellow Alex. Give me Zverev in three, uh, or give me Zverev in straight. Mm, okay. Another six and six match. He takes two tiebreaks. Like summons I, the effort. But like I said, though, if he doesn't come out with that effort, if he comes out on the court yeah. with even a semblance of the attitude that he had when he was playing Djokovic, Isner will trounce him. I think this match goes one of two ways: Zverev wins six and six, or he loses one and one. I mean, I, to me, it's it's either going to be a route for Isner's Europe just won't have it in the tank, or he'll grind it out. If he has it, he'll win it. I, I, I that's mean, that fair. I think yeah, I, I think you're right. If he's in contention with it the whole time and it's a tight match, I think he can pull it out. I think that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's do one more thing before we move on to our next topic. Let's make predictions for the way this tournament is going to go. Of course, we will be back to record once it's all wrapped up. But Jamie, give me your two semifinal matchups, your finalists, and your ATP World Tour final champion. Oh boy. Okay. Well, we'll start. We'll work backwards because <laughs> I think it's easiest to say champion even without even looking at the matchups. Um, I think it's Djokovic. I don't think that's a stretch by any 
I mean, just in any sense at all. He is playing the best, and he's up to number one again. I mean, this has been Djokovic's second half of the year. This is his title. Um, and, you know, not necessarily that he definitely doesn't. I don't think he has the most to prove out of this field. Uh, maybe you'll disagree because he's already proven a hell of a lot. But I think this would sort of cap it off as like, OK, it's Djokovic. You know, he is reigning. And if he wasn't to win this, for example, I think that it puts a little a big question mark at the end of that. Um, regardless, let's work backwards from there. So Djokovic wins it. Who does he play in the final? Ah, Screw it. Let's let's say he plays Federer in the final. Why not? Um, as much as I hate to see Federer lose to Djokovic, it pains me. It pains me. Um, I think Djokovic is playing the best right now anyway. so. Um, but that leaves the semis to be... Ooh, who comes out of that? But wait a second. Wouldn't... Uh, yeah, so let's say... I say Anderson gets out of that group. And Federer. Yeah. And then Djokovic and who? It's Anderson, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the right call. I think it's Anderson and Federer come out of that side. And then I think it's going to be Zverev. I think it's going to be Djokovic and Zverev. I love it. I love the pick. Well, then I'm going to go from semis to the top. I think Kevin Anderson comes out for sure emerges from the group. I think his match with Federer goes three sets. And I think because of that... Kei Nishikori moves on to the semifinals. I can't, no, didn't I pick Federer? No, I got to stick consistent with my Federer pick. The Federer match takes it in three over Anderson. That match, because it goes three sets, means they both advance. I've stuck with Alex all year long. I'm going to stick with him again. Have Djokovic and Zverev advancing. So the semifinal matchups, I want Djokovic versus Federer, and then I want Anderson versus Zverev. I think Zverev doesn't have enough in the tank, so Anderson moves on to the final. I think Djokovic has proven the past two times they've played. He has Fed's number right now, and if you look at their career head-to-head, Djokovic hasn't lost to Federer since 2015. I think Djokovic moves on to the final where he plays Kevin Anderson, which is really the match of 2018. And, you know, Djokovic does lead the career head-to-head 7-1, but that doesn't include their Labor Cup matchup. The last time they played, Djokovic beat Anderson in the Shanghai quarterfinals 6-3. I think that would be the best way to cap off this year. And as you mentioned, Novak Djokovic is the guy. He's been the best player for the, throughout the second half of 2018. I believe he is now 49-11 and 11 on the year. He's won almost everything he's played. It took miraculous efforts from Tsitsipas and Kachanov to beat him. He's just the guy, and I agree with you. He's the one to watch for. We promised we would talk briefly about the next gen finals. You know, for we know our listeners, it's hard to find footage of this because it's not really on YouTube. And unless you have an Amazon Prime, you can't really watch the match. Although a lot of people have Amazon Prime now, so maybe I'm just living in you know the 20th century. Um, Jamie, my question to you: We did a preview for this on Cracker Rackets. All of us mostly took Pass to win. He did. A lot of us, myself not included, but you said Rublev was a dark horse. He really was the third most impressive player. Uh, is there anything much to take out of this besides Tsitsipas and Dimenauer are both the real deal? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think this was a very good win for Tsitsipas because it proved, I mean, he, he really proved himself here. He did. Um, you know, he showed up as the one seed and it was, you know, he was the clear favorite and he came out on top. And that's not always easy to do, especially in a field where 
pretty much anything can happen. Um, you know, especially with the weird scoring formats and, you know, all these different changes, different feels, all of them are, you know, relatively immature in terms of, you know, being at this stage, like there's a lot of things that can happen. So for him to come out and, and, and just, you know, take this title, I'm, I'm impressed. I will say I, I'll, fully admit to it. I went back and forth a lot when I had to pick who was going to win it. I was feeling I was feeling the Australian. I thought Damon Hour was going to come out and win this. He didn't and I was bummed about it. Um just in, in terms of a mindset, I like I like him more than Tsitsipas, I think. I saw some moments from uh, Stefanos that I didn't particularly love in this tournament. Um, you know, he's got his dad in the box there, and I feel like he was being kind of a prick at some points. Um, he was smashing the headset on him. He like he just he would just like cut off his dad. It was it was weird. But regardless of any of that, very impressed with how he played. I think he'll mature up a lot on the tour in these next couple of years, and he proved himself. He did. So I'm looking it up right now. Philip Kohlschreiber hasn't even been ranked outside the top 50 since April 16th, 2007. I mean, the guy's the real Okay, big. well, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. Fact-checked, confirmed. Fair enough, I believe you. Quebec. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just saying. I wouldn't ask if I wasn't sure. Uh, in terms of it, I agree. The headset thing was ridiculous. He's just making a scene. Yeah, I didn't like um, that. The, the, takeaways, I, I, the takeaways for me, Americans dropped to, I believe, 2-7 and all-time in next-gen finals history. Two years. Tiafoe Tiafo yeah, no, dropped a goose egg yeah. against Munar. I mean, he just – it was bad. It, it was bad. In no point was that match even a match, honestly. I mean, Compl- yeah, so we look at that score line, and that's 1-3-1. One, and, one. and granted, those are 4-1, four, 4-3-4-1. One, four, four, but still, I mean, I mean, that's a beat down and just not impressive, especially coming in this as the three seed. Like, that's that's not good. And for me, my dark horse, Taylor Fritz, when he lost that fourth set tiebreaker to Andre Rublev. I told it, you. I, it, I knew it was over. I told I, you. No, okay, but I said Fritz was going to beat Dimonauer, and similarly, he wins that first set tiebreaker. Who knows what happens. But... Yeah, but he lost in straights instead, so don't say that. <laughs> well, I'll say this. The thing I got right, Liam Caruana did not do shit. Well, yeah. So, okay, congrats. <laughs> What what'd you think of Munar and her catch? They're all Honestly, right. I liked watching Munar a lot. He had a ton of fire. Uh, like Yeah, but I don't know. What? He looked do you know who Ferris Gosia was? Oh no, in terms of just like look no, he looked like Suarez Navarro is who he looked like. <laughs> and you that's not even disputable in the slightest. Just just like go look. You made fun of me for that good knowledge earlier. This is some good knowledge. It's him and Suarez Navarro. <laughs> Um, but no, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself from seeing that whenever he saw him, but regardless, regardless of any of that, how he looked, um, you know, I, I liked the fire he brought to the court. He had, you know, that win over Tiafa was like, okay. Um, and I don't know. I was impressed with him, honestly. So I think we'll be seeing more, you know, this, this to me is why this event is cool. It's not cool because of the switch ups and the formats and the scoring and whatever. We could talk about that forever. I don't think that's why this is cool. I think it's a great opportunity, and something like this can completely be used as a springboard for somebody like Munar, you know? Completely agree with you. I would disagree and say the scoring is thrilling. I like the short I set. I think it's if dumb. You, if you f*** up once in a set, it, it, focuses you, it focuses you. It forces you to focus. It does focus you. Um, sort of, but yes. I think the most Not impressive really. thing, <laughs> the most impressive things for me, you mentioned it earlier, Dimonauer is... 
is just a beast. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. the set. It doesn't matter the score. He's competing. He is going for every ball. His movement is real. I don't know how he doesn't tear his ankle every time he slides. It feels like he's a twig. But at the same time, it, it just works. The The continental grip on the forehand, he's just – he relentlessly attacks. And for Tsitsipas, yes, all of the shot making is there. And, you know, you can't deny his upside at this point. But if you're just looking at the athletes – Dibenauer is going to be in the top 10 for as long as his body stays healthy. I mean, he he's just a beast physically. And you you see that gift once every so often. I think Kachanov has it as well. I think Chorich has it. And I just think those are the guys you make your bets on in terms of they're going to be solid going into the future. Yeah, I think I think the thing for me with Dibenauer especially is just, I mean, you watch him. He's just got to be able to bridge the gap between his offense and his defense a little bit more because when you look, he loves it. He I loves know. nothing. Likes he likes nothing more than being on the chase. I know, and it, he's incredibly good, and he's gifted in terms of just getting one back in play, and it's great. And the same thing with his forehand too. It, I mean, if you watch a slow mo of his forehand, by the way, that follow through and as it comes through the ball, it's just bizarre, but it's awesome. And he comes through the ball, and it's. It's clean when he makes contact, and he can absolutely rip it. But he needs to be able to, you know, find his game in terms of, you know, not just occasionally coming up with a huge forehand and then all the other points he's just scrambling like crazy, you know. The thing is, he's shown the touch. It's there. Oh, yeah, his game, it's complete. All the pieces are there. It's incredible. And I honestly, here's my hot take coming out of this event. Tsitsipas had the better year. He's the guy for most improved, which is a debate we'll say for the change of a chat. I think Dimonauer's got the higher upside. I think so, too. I know he's small, but God, there's nothing this guy on a tennis court can't do. But all right, let's leave the episode there. Any final thoughts from you, Jamie? No, we'll go, you and me will have our own you know, sidebar on the scoring and whatnot for this. But I, I was going to say, I feel like the scoring debate, the length of matches, we're going to get into all of those big issues tennis is facing, True. Such, you know, coaching on the court. We'll talk about all of those throughout the offseason so we can spare listeners that talk for now. Fair enough. Um, you know, I, w- I want to thank you, and as always, I have to thank our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f- job to do as always. I'm not going to lie, Jamie, you did a hell of a job filling in for one Maxwell Bauer Rothman. Uh, you know you have an open spot whenever you want on. Well, you know, that's very gracious of you. Appreciate that. Uh, of course, I won't remember to text you now for two and a half weeks. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. <laughs> of course. Well, then, one last time for my excellent co-host, James Foster McDonald, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from everyone on our team at Cracked Rackets, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we say to our listeners? I hate Gruskin. Hey, great shot. <laughs> that is what a lot of them we say. We say both of those things. Yeah, I love it. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.